WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 109, All About the Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, Part 1. Being the 109th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Tyler Carlin and Ethan Edgehill and or Ethan Edgehill and Tyler Carlin. However, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he goes first always. Wh- it's a weird whatever. thing he has where he has to go oh, first. Bacon and eggs, a movie lovers podcast. Welcome. Howdy, Yokes, and welcome back. I almost said welcome because I'm so used. Nobody ever asked me to guest on podcasts. So I, I almost said welcome, well, I but I'm not here. Like... I mean, I'm here, but I'm. It's not my show. Hello. Are, how often do you guest on podcasts, Ethan? Let's just derail right from the start. Uh, very little. We're here to talk about the first 43 minutes of the Hobbit movie, The Hobbit One: An Unexpected Journey. What an unexpected journey it is! I've been on this show a few times, and I'm notorious for not staying on topic. And I'm really upset about that because this is like the most Tolkien thing I could possibly like ever like my favorite characters in all of fantasy are like the short characters like dwarves and hobbits i love the hobbit holes i love the feasting i love gandalf this i should be able to like really stay on track here but i have been like totally disassociating for like the past 36 hours so sorry in advance you're going to do great, and I'll edit out anything that isn't great. <laughs> okay, so real quick, before we get into anything important, I do just want to say about The Hobbit, colon, An Unexpected Journey. This movie came out in 2012, which is nine years after uh, The Return of the King came mm-hmm. out. I expected this for nine whole years. At no point when they made Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, was I like, I bet they're never going to do The Hobbit. So when they were like, this is an unexpected journey, I was like, I expected it. I, they didn't oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> It's a very expected journey. I gotcha. It was a, a okay, long gotcha. expected journey for Ethan Edgehill. So why don't I segue then into asking you guys, one, what is what is your history with The Hobbit book, which for Ethan is extremely recent, Yes, and or the movie? I finished The Hobbit book about two hours ago for the second time in my life. you started it four hours ago. I started it at <laughs> noon-ish. Uh, yeah, I read The Hobbit back like when the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out, and I read the the Lord of the Rings books for the first time, and that was 2000, let's say two, by the time I got all the way done with the three books and The Hobbit. Approximately 19 years later, I read it again, as an adult. Okay, Harry Potter epilogue. It was, it was fine. It's The Hobbit. It's good. Yeah. Tyler, have you? what is your experience, if you have any, with reading The Hobbit at all? I read The Hobbit earlier this year. That's uh, what I thought. For I the didn't first want time. to assume. Um, I, I will say this about me reading The Hobbit earlier this year is, like Ethan, we're reading a lot of books this year. And The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings both are like not books that you should read while you are just like pounding through literature like sure you should you should really sit with them for a little bit and like really take some time to appreciate takes too long no well maybe not four months but like if i could take like a month and a half to read the hobbit and like really dive into it and really enjoy it i think i would have liked it much more instead what it ended up being was kind of like what i think it originally was 
which is just like a bedtime story for me. Like I would put it on and set a sleep timer for like, I don't know, 30 minutes and then I would fall asleep at some point. Well, I mean, that is what it was like intended to be. It was a bedtime story to put his kid to sleep. So congratulations, Tyler. You were the target demographic. Nailed it. So, okay. So you both are familiar with the book. Do you have, because the Lord of the Rings movies, I understand, are much more beloved than the Hobbit movies. So do you have any uh, memories associated with the first time, if you can remember, watching the Hobbit movies and maybe being like, you know what? No, I'm not even going to like prompt whatever thoughts you might have had at that time. But like, what what was that? Talk us through that. What were those thoughts? The Hobbit movies, I guess we said it came out in 2012. The first one did. Yeah, I would guess they were one a year after that, but I'm not positive about that. Yeah, so these were Christmas releases, roughly, sort of Thanksgiving, Christmas time. Uh, And I actually saw the first two in theaters with my grandparents. And, like, 2012, 2013 would have been, like, right in the middle of my college years. So sort of the end of our, like, I'm the youngest of three. So sort of the end of our, like, annual family trips to go visit the grandparents. So I actually, like, these first two movies I hold really close to my heart. Not necessarily because of the content, but because of, like sort of the stage in my life I was at. Mm-hmm. That being said, I really do think that the Hobbit movies deserve the treatment the Star Wars prequels got and that I really wish people would just embrace and love the crap out of these movies, even if they don't necessarily deserve it. I so much... I only watched the first 43 minutes today because that's what we're talking about. But I enjoyed this so insanely much. And I, I know that it goes downhill from here. I'm aware I of that. I think the first 43 minutes is probably the best of this trilogy. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't like, walk into the theater and then walk, being like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're going to see another part of these Lord of the Rings movies. It's going to be great. And then walk out being like, what was that? I definitely walked out being like, what was that? But I, I was not upset. I really liked how lighthearted okay. they were. I was un- under the impression that the Hobbit book was more lighthearted. And they explained pretty early on that Peter Jackson puts a line in through Sir Ian McKellen that like, we're going to embellish this story a lot. So they do. And that's totally fine. Ethan, what about you? Uh, I I didn't see these in theaters, any of them. I don't actually think that I've seen the third one, if I'm being 100% honest with you. Like when we cover them on Bacon and Eggs, it will be my first time watching the third one. Even if it's not necessarily the first time I've watched it, it's definitely the first time I've watched it. Um, I got, yeah, I know what you mean. And I had never, I watched the first two on a laptop. A cop with a copy that Hunter Wells burned off on a CD or whatever off the like LimeWire. LimeWire, um, yeah, classic, classic. Yeah, so I had very little expectation because it had been ten years since I read The Hobbit. Okay, gotcha. And I like just didn't. I mean, I watched I think both of them like one and then the other and then put them down forever and was just like oh, those are movies. I thoroughly enjoy the first hour of this movie right up like until they run a warg off a cliff. Uh, which I think happens in your next segment. But like after that, I just, I don't remember hardly anything. Uh, I think Benedict Cumberbatch does really good as Smaug, but that's about yes. all I remember. Uh, the first, the, the opening sequence of this movie uh, is delightful though. I love the little framing story they give us with Bilbo and Frodo that didn't mm. exist in the book. No, but like it didn't need to, like obviously it didn't exist in the book because yeah. the book, Frodo didn't exist yet. Okay. Sure, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so you know who didn't exist? Sauron. <laughs> Correct. Well, <laughs> technically, if you want to get technical, he did. He just was a different name at the time. But did did Tolkien have the idea 
for Sauron but when he wrote The Hobbit. I believe so, yes, because that is the necromancer that Gandalf oh. goes off to deal with. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because they're like, if, and, and I don't want to like get too late stage Harry Potter about it, but like, if he had the whole thing planned out, which I'm not saying he has to because he wrote him like 20 years later or whatever. But if he had the oh, whole no, thing planned out. He definitely didn't is the thing. There would have been more consequences for Bilbo wearing the ring for yes. weeks at a time. Which is why, which is really interesting in certain parts of the movie that will um, come in future discussions yeah. that they do kind of bring that in. Like knowing what you know about the ring from Lord of the Rings and knowing what they know from all of the other lore and everything in the making of The Hobbit, like in hindsight, there are a lot of other things that they put into the movie being like this is building up to what you know it builds up to. And so that's the I think the key difference between the the books the 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 Hobbit book and the Hobbit movies is like yeah. They are prequels now. You have to have seen The Lord of the Rings to care basically uh i don't necessarily think so i I I think not have to but like i can see where that would upset people i know people are upset by that and i can see where that would upset people being like why is frodo involved in this you know at all why does xyz happen who are these characters if you haven't seen lord of the rings kind of thing um where that just doesn't exist in the book right like for better or for worse here we are i also think if you come into this just as like a movie fan like i think more than a lot of other series like i feel like with like harry potter right you have to read the books you have to watch the movie you don't have to you can do whatever you want but like it is very accessible to read the books and watch the movies and some of like star wars like there's no point in reading the books because they're all novelizations so it doesn't matter the movies are the canon and then something like lord of the rings i think there are two totally different camps there are like people who read the books which is like challenging high fantasy. Even The Hobbit has moments where it's like, good lord, this is a slog to get through. Uh, and then Lord of the Rings, of course, is like, oh my god, this is so long and so detailed. We get it, you like trees! Right? You like trees, you like horses. But like, you can be a, a, just a film fan with, with Lord of the Rings. Yes, which is what I say all the time, which is that I think it's more... Lord of the Rings, I think, is the only fandom where it's more normal to have people who are fans of the movie, like diehard fans of the movies and haven't even touched the books. And I think that's the normal thing because reading the books is totally yeah. a different thing in and of itself. I would Yeah, I would say in Lord of the Rings, it's within like the fandom engaged with it thinks about it a lot community because I think if you look at any of them, like the Harry Potter movies sold way more tickets than they did copies for the movies and they're definitely viewed more than read. Uh but I think, like, within the community of people who, like, regularly interact with it, Lord of the Rings is, like, 90% movie people and 10% movie and book people. Whereas Harry Potter's probably, like, I don't know, 40% movie only, I would think. Yeah. I'd say maybe well, even less. Who knows? And so this is a, the Hobbit movies, though, are an interesting thing, right? Because usually, usually when you get less than stellar adaptations of books, it's because so much has to be taken out. Yeah. Whereas The Hobbit is the complete opposite of 99% let's of adaptations where, where they were like, just get some stuff in there. Like, let's make some stuff up. The, the right? other thing. So, okay, okay, okay. It's a, it's a what? 250 page book. Yeah. Split into three movies. And each of the movies are, well, the last one is, I think, two hours and like 20 minutes. Yeah. But they're two hours, between two hours and 20 minutes and two hours and 40 minutes. They did not have to be that long but they did and it's also amazing which i'm gonna get into uh at the beginning of desolation of smouth because there's a lot of things 
that I'm like, really? That's what you decided to like cut out and this is what you decided to make up and put in and it makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> I know that they brought in like a lot of the characters from the original series or not the original series. It's, it's very weird to talk about, but from the Lord of the Rings series, the, the big book that like have no position, no place being there whatsoever. Frodo, we oh see God. even in his first 40 minutes. I know Legolas shows up. I know that like Viggo Mortensen was like, no, I'm not doing that because I'm not. So Tyler, actually you bring us to this week's segment and probably the only segment of <laughs> is Viggo Mortensen actually a ranger? <laughs> I think Viggo Mortensen's a librarian in this case Viggo because Mortensen, he's read The Hobbit. <laughs> Viggo Mortensen declined to repli- reprise his role as Aragorn, citing that Aragorn wasn't in the book. Somebody had to do it, right? Like- I believe that that is a man of honor and dignity through and through. I actually don't agree. <laughs> like, No, he was like, I'm not coming on for these movies when my character doesn't... Aragorn, I think at this point in the story, is like 10 years old or like 15 or something. He's pretty young. And actually, no, that doesn't make sense. He may not have even been he's born. He's Yeah. He'd be 27. Is he really? Yes. Yeah. He's 87 oh in the events of Lord of the Rings. Jesus. Which you learn on an extended edition of Two Towers. God, I hope I look like that when I'm 87. It's terrifying. <laughs> uh, and that concludes this week's segment of Is Vika Mortensen Actually a Ranger? <laughs> no, I think letting Peter Jackson do whatever he wants with this story is literally was, just fine. Uh, we'll get there. So, okay, I do want to, before we kind of jump into the discussion for this uh, episode's portion of the movie, I got a lot of questions when I was doing the Q&A before this, and a lot, not necessarily even questions, just a lot of comments being like, lower your expectations, prepare for the worst, you're going to hate it, you're going to have a miserable time, and I'm like, I'm doing these for the next four months, these are really great things for me to hear. Um, I really don't think I'm going to have a miserable time. Everyone, as as much as these Hobbit movies are, they're definitely movies. Um, <laughs> uh, and for all their drawbacks, we're still going to have a fun time. Okay? It's going to be fun. Buckle up. We're going on an adventure. Here's the thing about the Hobbit movies, though. Just a broad spectrum take. Yes, they deserve some of the hate they get. But a lot of the hate they get is simply because they are not the Lord of the Rings movies. Yes, I agree. It's definitely a ca- I think it's definitely a case of people went into the Hobbit trilogy with like open arms, I think desperate and willing to love them as much as they love the Lord of the Rings movies and they did not meet any expectations at all. And I think it's also uh, another side of that coin is also just the way the movies look which is not is is really just not great the the cgi is really terrible and i think they were just like they i was thinking about this when i was watching uh one of the movies this weekend when they were doing lord of the rings they were trying brand new things with state-of-the-art technology and it could have gone terribly and it could have looked terribly and gone downhill and that would have been it but it worked And I think they tried the same thing with the Hobbit movies where they were trying new technology. I was reading stuff about they were shooting at a much higher frame rate or something and they were trying new things. And in this case, it just did not work. That's one part. And then the other part is just that there's a lot of the story that was embellished and didn't necessarily need to be embellished. And so it didn't flow as cohesively into three definitive movies 
with a definitive beginning, middle, and end. It feels like this is one long movie broken up into three parts. But I, I do want to ask you this because this movie, this even this first 43 minutes has a large element to it that is evident in all four books that is not in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy movies in that there are two musical numbers here in the first 40 minutes we'll of the movie. There. We'll we're there. there now. We're 24 no, minutes we're into this episode. We're, we're there. We're probably going to be recording for another hour. We'll get there. I go chronologically, <laughs> if you remember, if you recall. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then let's jump into this part of the, since Tyler is excited to talk about the musical numbers. All right, listeners, I did a poll that showed that you guys like the chaotic movie summaries from the Lord of the Rings movie episodes and that I should keep doing them for The Hobbit. So here we go. We open up on a hole in the ground where there lives a hobbit. Oh, wait, just kidding. It's five minutes of dwarf exposition. So once upon a time, the animated dwarven city of Erebor was thriving under the leadership of King Thror and the discovery of the Arkenstone. But everything changed when a dragon attacked. Only the wood elves, master of magic and being really, really ridiculously good looking could help them. But when the dwarves needed them most, they left them on red. And this is supposedly what started all of the beef between dwarves and elves and not something to do with a necklace being stolen in the Silmarillion. And now we open up on a hole in the ground. There lived a hobbit. Elijah Wood, what are you doing here? As Bilbo mentally prepares for his 111st birthday party later that night, he decides now is the time to write the true accounts of what happened on his adventures when he was young. So at last, in a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit, played by Martin Freeman, who nails this role so amazingly well, it almost makes up for every flaw in this trilogy. Almost. After a startling conversation about adventures with some wizard named Gandalf, Bilbo slams the door in his face, glad to have narrowly avoided that disaster. Knock, knock. Who's there? Thirteen dwarves that I try my best to keep track of who's who, but for the life of me, all I know is that Thorin's the main one, Balin's the old one, Bomber's the fat one, and Keely and Philly are the hot ones. So after 13 dwarves and a wizard barge into Bilbo's house, eat his entire storeroom of food and drink, taunt him in musical form, and tell him that there's a good chance he'll be burnt to a crisp by a dragon, Bilbo surprisingly turns down the offer to be their burglar. The dwarves give us another musical number to convey the tragedy of their past before going to bed. In the morning, a relieved Bilbo wakes up to find his house empty and that everyone has left without him. Wait a minute, that's so rude, they left without him? He has a sudden change of heart and decides maybe he does want to go after all, and he comes to this conclusion all by himself, rather than Gandalf barging in, telling him that he's late and shoving him out the door. Nothing is stopping this hobbit now that he's going on an adventure! Except maybe a forgotten handkerchief! <gasps> but there's no going back now, because home is behind, the world ahead. And there are many paths to tread through shout- Crap, wrong movie. Yeah, so The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, opens with old man Bilbo, as I'm going to refer to him. Actually, no, not even old man Bilbo, just old Bilbo, whatever, Ian Holm. And he's basically thinking back on his time. And he's like, Frodo, I think it's time I tell you like what actually happened, which kind of begs the question, like, what was it that he had told Frodo? up until that point because I don't think we really know like what did he did he leave out details is the story that he told Frodo the book the hobbit and then the story that he's telling in the movie what actually happened I think the reverse of what you're saying is true you think what actually happens is the book hobbit in it's that Tolkien wrote and then what what the f*** are you Wait, two what? talking about? No, I think... <laughs> Hold on. Run that one... You, you, you melted my brain. Run that one back for a second. There's two okay. stories at play. So Bilbo, 
Bilbo, the, the framing of this movie is that uh, Ian Holm Bilbo is sitting down and writing the story of, quote, what actually happened. Yeah. And he it's this like voiceover narration of like, my dear Frodo, I think it's time you've heard what actually happened. So I was just like, well, then what did he tell Frodo? Like, what was it that he told Frodo up until that point? Truthfully, I think is neither of the things that we just posited. I think Frodo up until that point has heard bits and pieces of stories here and there up until this point i think a lot of people have seen like bilbo has these treasures and they've sort of like started rumors and telling stories and bilbo or frodo is just kind of sort of piecing together like oh there was trolls and he we even see at the beginning of fellowship of the ring bilbo's like sitting around and telling stories to young children and i think frodo has sort of pieced together these embellished stories but the the book that he is writing is the proper canon and is the book that we receive as readers in like 1928 or whatever so yeah so that's the framing device for this movie and then at one point elijah wood walks in as frodo and oh wait no am i jumping ahead oh wait actually no because it starts off it starts off with this very heavy exposition from bilbo he sits down to write and i was fully expecting to hear the in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit nope which is the iconic opening, opening line, line yeah. of The Hobbit, and which is what I wanted to hear. I wanted this movie to open up with, and a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Instead, he goes into this very heavy exposition about what happens with the dwarves in Dale and Smaug. And Schmaug. in this <laughs> smog, whatever, <laughs> we're going to argue about pronunciations. No, in, I'm, in with, a, I'm with Smaug. There's Smaug a lot of right. a lot of folks that will try to tell you the movie says the movie says Smaug, and there's a lot of folks that will try to tell you it's smog, like what they have no, in Los Angeles. Smaug. They are wrong. I believe it's Smaug. It's I Smaug. usually try and go by whatever the audiobook narrators. I'll will tell say. you what anyway. I do is when I go outside in Los Angeles, I say, "Wow, a lot of Smaug out today. A lot of Smaug out here." <laughs> Um, in this exposition, we also see the dwarves of Arab, the, the city of Erebor, you know, in its heyday, and they have uncovered the Arkenstone, the heart of the mountain, which is introduced at minute four of the movie and is mentioned in passing in the book at approximately page 200. Yep. <laughs> yep. And this is just one of many things that the book, that the movies are like, we're going to take that little detail, we're going to blow it up, we're going to latch onto it, and we're going to fixate on it for the next nine hours. <laughs> well, I th- so I think that Peter Jackson, when making these movies, was like, boy, I sure put a really heavy piece of exposition at the beginning of that first movie that I made. I should do it again. Which is wrong. Which is not the right move, in my opinion. I guess they, they must have been on the assumption that we wouldn't care about the story if we didn't know from the beginning who Thorin was and what his... Yeah. Impetus was. Possibly. Which is not true. I like I'm only interested in Bilbo. Especially if you're time. gonna give us Bilbo and Frodo, you gotta assume that we've seen Lord of the Rings, right? Like that we're that there are gonna be very few people who are going, Who is this guy? Is that the guy from Wilfred showing up? Huh, look at that. <laughs> is that is that Harry Potter? Is that Harry Potter? Is that Harry Potter? <laughs> My you god, I love be, Swiss Army Man. You guys need to be lo- nice to Elijah Wood, okay? I think there's a very real chance that in my lifetime, Bilbo Baggins becomes my all-time favorite character in fiction. Uh, it's pronounced Bill Bobbigins. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, this exposition I really don't like, and I would have preferred it, like how you hear in the book, which is when the dwarves show up to dinner, and then Bilbo's like, 
I need you to I need you to rewind and pause and just explain to me why you're here and what you're doing. And then Thorin goes into this story of what happened with the dwarves and their history. And I would have loved for that sequence to happen at that point in the story. I just wanted to kick off this movie with not even the only reason that we have Ian Holm and Elijah Wood in this opening is to be like, hey, remember these other movies that you watched 10 years ago? Well, I mean, that's also why uh, Orlando Bloom's in it. That's also why Galadriel, Galadriel. and yeah. all this other crap, right? Because they they desperately, they realized these weren't going to sell as well, right? They wanted people to see I don't it. necessarily think so. I think they would have done, I don't think they had much faith in them. And so I think they tried. Yeah. Putting in all this extra unnecessary stuff, thinking it would make it better, and I think it just made it worse. I hear what you're saying about uh, the exposition being in the wrong spot there. I do genuinely like the inclusion of old Bilbo and Frodo as the framing yeah. story. I, I like genu- that. And, the, and him and Ian Holm doing the narration, I, I genuinely like that. I got emotional when I saw that. Yeah. I genuinely like that. Now, I, I do think it could still open with the in a hole in the ground thing. Right. And then just go straight to them. Yeah. So a couple other important things that we learn in this exposition that Bilbo shares about the dwarves backstory. Um, Yeah. So there's the reveal of the Arkenstone, which is what drives. uh, What's his name? Thror. Thror. Yeah. The grandfather, Thorin's grandfather, to insanity. And then at one point, Smaug comes in and attacks. And I appreciate that you don't really see, you don't see Smaug in his fullest because they're kind of keeping that as surprise for the next movie. Yeah. I like that you just get these little glimpses of like his wings or his tail or, you know, the fire or whatever. What if like they kept doing that, but then when you finally did see him as a whole, it was Tim Curry dressed as Pennywise? From it. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was Eddie Murphy dressed as Mushu. No. Either way, I'd watch it. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a scene of exposition for sure. It's a, a whole scene. I'm not sure they paid any actors to actually be there. It looks for all the world like <laughs> everybody is CGI. Like, I, like, they, know, like they, they didn't film the scene and then decided they wanted it later. There's quite a bit of scenes in this movie where it looks like I'm watching an animated yeah. film. That's the it's first not one. so bad. It's not so bad in this first part. Um, but there's there's a lot where I'm like, I think I'm watching an animated movie, and it's very like disconcerting, and I it's so confusing and just like why would you like you had such you had such great success using these practical effects and you know makeup of you know makeup effects and and everything else in the first movies. Why would you not just do that again? And what gets me the most. Is there's an interview in Graham Norton, I think it's Graham Norton, where Ewan McGregor is sitting down with um, John Boyega and they're talking about maybe Harrison Ford and they're talking Those about are very different people. The context don't make sense. Okay. Uh, Ewan McGregor is talking about being on set on the Obi-Wan show and he's talking about he always gets surprised when he sees the stormtroopers because there were zero clone trooper costumes produced for yeah. the prequel Star Wars trilogy. Zero. Every single one of them was CGI. And you can tell when you watch them. Attack of the Clones came out in, what, 2002? And then Revenge yeah. of the Sith in, like, 2005? Five, yeah. Yeah, so you would think Peter Jackson would be like, we did practical effects at that time, and our movies hold up great. At this point in history, the prequels are hated films. So when we sit down to make our Lord of the Rings movie, or our Hobbit movie in 2012, why would you go the CGI route instead of the practical effects route? That's what I Because mean. no one's ever learned in the history of movies that CGI ages like spinach. 
Well, <laughs> it looked also, bad in O2, man. <laughs> and a more practical answer. Um, I was reading up about the pre-production of these movies, which has quite a bit of drama, which I'm sure I will get into over the course of these episodes. But there was one part where like when it was finally when Peter Jackson like finally got his hands on it or it was like officially greenlit, they were so behind and everything that they didn't have much time to prepare and to and to so, so I think possibly the use of CGI was to make up for the lack of time they had. Right. Actually, no. As I'm saying, this all sounds very jumbled because also at one point, Peter Jackson and Guillermo del Toro, who was originally on as the director for these movies, um, had like everything all lined up and they were wait just waiting on MGM to green light it. Is so I think they had all of the they had all of the like materials ready to go, but I think by the time it was officially greenlit is they were like running into trouble of actually getting it going and getting it started for shooting and pre-production. And Peter Jackson also had this ulcer that he had to have surgery for and that delayed that delayed shooting like for a full month because he had to recover. And so I think possibly an answer to these questions is they use CGI because they were probably running out of time for a lot of things well, and that's just unfortunate and and also i mean i kind of get it like based having read the book literally today and based on the the context and everything like there's a lot of they would have been building sort of massive complicated sets for five minute scenes right like they yeah they would have to would have to have built the city of dale and the beautiful shining erebor for smog to murder it completely and then never go back there. You go, yeah. Like, they go back to Erebor for sure, but it is not the Erebor it's that destroyed. they left. Yeah, yeah, it's destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not like you could just hop up in a rock quarry and and have, you know, a bunch of people play orcs and then multiply them in post, right? It's a little bit different, especially when you're talking about talking wolves and uh, goblins and, you know, I mean, they just didn't have the budget to tame a real Balrog a second time. Right. right. Like, it doesn't work like that. Another important thing that happens in this exposition is that as Smaug is attacking and the dwarves are leaving uh, and fleeing Erebor, they see the Mirkwood elves off in the distance and out comes Thranduil on what Ethan originally said. Why is Thranduil on a moose? And it's funny you say that because the elk that Thranduil rides on is played by a horse named Moose. Wild. That's but also, insane. I couldn't tell if it was a moose or an elk behind the, the Peter Jackson close-up shot. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are elks real? Yes. Yeah. No They're way. basically moose with pointier horns. Yeah. Like, more majestic looking. Have you seen a moose? All right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, uh, And Ethan was like, why is he on a moose? And I said, it's an elk, and it's because it's aesthetic. We get... Uh, I can't. I cannot believe they got an actual horse to play that elk. Like, it, it looks so bad. They, they might have put... The, the hordes on digitally. Yeah, no. There's, no There's also apparently, which I haven't read too much into yet, and I'm sure I will get into in future episodes as well. Apparently, uh, the filming and production of these movies did not have a great history or, or whatever. They had some issues with uh, animals being treated on set poorly. 
Uh, and apparently they got in tr- trouble with PETA. So what's fun about looking up all these trivia? This is what I this is what I did in the Lord of the Rings movies, right? I looked up all these fun behind the scenes facts and trivia, and I inserted them into the episodes, and it made it more fun. <laughs> it made it more like, wow, I can't believe how much time and dedication and love right. they put into these movies. And then I'm gonna read you some facts in this episode, and you're gonna be like, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, Man, they really should have stopped. <laughs> that's awful. That's awful. And at this point, the elves turn away and do not help the dwarves. And apparently in this version of Lord of the Rings, like lore, Tolkien lore, Middle Earth, in this Peter Jackson's telling of it, this is the reason why there's this feud between elves and dwarves. Whereas if you go back into like Tolkien world, it has something to do with a piece of jewelry that was stolen like a a long time ago. But that is the reason because it says something like the elves didn't offer their help then and they never offered their help again. And then of uh, Thorin at one point after they escape, it says he never forgave and he never forgot. And that's his entire character and then we get frodo and bilbo frodo's checking the mail and bilbo's like frodo what's up buddy and frodo's like here you got a bunch of people that are coming to your party and he's like oh Shire. is the party today oh man those sackville bags better hide the jewelry frodo gotta hide the gold the spoons gotta hide the spoons and he's like just look after this b word when i'm when i'm when i'm Frodo's like, when you're what? When you're what? And then he's... How easy would it just be like, hey, Frodo, I'm thinking I'm going to leave. Well, the problem is they already made the other movies. I know. (laughs) And he didn't do that. So, okay. So here's... That would have been a huge retcon. (laughs) Here's my thing. Frodo knew. (laughs) If Bilbo was just like, hey, Frodo, I'm outie, bro. (laughs) Out. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. My ass. I'm gone. Oh, the other thing that I think is interesting in this scene, Frodo says to him, like, you know, the other hobbits, they're beginning to talk. They're beginning to think you're odd. And I'm like, beginning to? No, 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 no. They've been, like, asking questions and wondering about Bilbo from the moment he returned from this journey. And I just think They've it's funny that, They've been asking questions like, about Bilbo since before then. Yeah. There like, was too much of a talk about him. And Frodo is all of a sudden, they're beginning to think you've gone odd, uncle. And he's like... It's he's been like well, that. I mean, That's to be fair, we are told reason we're telling this story. Really, we're told in Fellowship the book that like everybody knows Bilbo's weird. Everybody knows he disappeared for like a year and came back rich, and we don't talk about it. What do we talk about? Feet, gardening, gardening, and weed, and feet. And That's it. Feet and weed. <laughs> uh, so as fun and as like warming and heartfelt as this moment is and being able to see Frodo and I like um, it. Bilbo interacting like with a sense of normalcy before everything goes wrong you know and this is all happening yes on the morning it's technically happening like right before the Fellowship of the Ring movie begins it's like the scene that would have happened before Frodo w- walked out and sat down and read his book however this is what this is what I propose this is my proposal for how I would have preferred the movies to open and end You open with just, maybe you get some voiceover of old Bilbo, but it starts right off with, there once was a hobbit who lived in the ground or whatever it is. But then we just show, right off the bat, we show Martin Freeman Bilbo sitting on the bench, smoking a pipe. Maybe we do some other exposition showing other scenes around the Shire, cool, whatever. But we jump right off the bat 
with Martin Freeman's Bilbo because it's so delightful. I don't think anyone in their right mind would watch it and be like, this isn't what I wanted, blah, blah, blah. And then you end the last movie with more narration from old Bilbo as young Bilbo is writing the book. And then they do the exposition about the dwarf city. No. And then this is at the end. This is at the end of the last movie. And it's after he's come home and it fa- it like goes in on the book as he starts writing the story and then it fades out and it's Frodo sitting at the tree at the start of Fellowship of the Ring reading what Bilbo has written so far of The Hobbit and then you see Gandalf coming up the road and then it ends. I think I'm smarter than Peter Jackson. Okay. Oh, we should give you how much did these movies cost? Like five hundred million dollars to make? We should give you five hundred million. Anyway, when old Bilbo blows the smoke ring or Frodo blows the smoke ring, I can't remember who does it, and it turns into the butterfly and comes and slaps Martin Freeman in the face, I cried a little bit. It was such a wonderful moment. Like, Martin Freeman as Bilbo Baggins unparalleled yeah. casting. It's absolutely delightful. I can't tell you how many, especially in the first in this first section where like a, a lot of the humor is a lot more light. I can't tell you how many times I just like giggled. Yeah. Like his performance is so perfect. I can't. It's just it's so good is all I'm going to say. And I'm going to say it 20 times more throughout these episodes. Well, In these early scenes, they use so much of the dialogue from the book. Yes. And it really helps. I think so, too. It It's pretty much almost exclusively from the book. When yeah. he when Gandalf shows up and is like, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. There's and a couple then, lines missing, but there's not a lot of lines added. Yes. Um, yeah. Which exactly. If, if listener, if you haven't read the books, which would be kind of weird by this point, it's it's a lot of dialogue, right? Like Bilbo talks to a lot of people the whole time, and he also talks to himself a lot. Like it's a lot of yes. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in quotation marks in the book. It's also extremely just, yeah, dense. Thinking out loud or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bilbo is a significantly more interesting character than Frodo. Well, I would argue that's because Frodo is being traumatized. <laughs> right. The majority of his journey. <laughs> you think Bilbo's Frodo's not? Like... <laughs> no, Bilbo's actively being traumatized, but in like a fun way, right? Like Frodo, yeah, whereas... Frodo has the weight of the entire world pressing upon him. But Bilbo's, Bilbo's got just that like, fun you know what? And he's having like his soul you know what? Eaten I don't want to die, but like. I do want to get some dragon gold. That sounds yeah, rad. Let's get some treasure. Oh, hey, what's yeah. this ring I just picked up off the ground? Does anybody want this? Like, maybe I should give it back to Gollum. Like, and Frodo's like, oh my God, if I don't do this, the world will f- end. But it doesn't. And then he has to sail into a literal other plane of existence just for any semblance of peace. There's a drastic tone shift between yes. The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. I do want to say something real quick. Love him or hate him, changes, whatever. I think they nailed the tone in these movies of the book. Like, I really, uh, I, I, at least for the part that I watched. I think they nailed it. They nailed it in this part. I'll tell you that. They nailed it in this first 40 minutes. That's absolutely I felt the levity. Sure. I felt goofy Gandalf. Right, oh, like yeah. goofy trickster, like Gandalf might be a Loki, honestly. Yes, because he—that's one of my favorite lines. He says, "He says like you should go on this adventure. It'll be good for you and most amusing for me." Right. And, he and, just hobbits are just his plaything, and we never get in, in any region. We never get any explanation as to why Gandalf picked Bilbo 
out of no. all of the people in the world. And I still don't know. Right? And I love that. I love that we don't know. He sort of explains it in the movie. Well, no, he explains why they pick a hobbit. And he apparently has some history with this family of Tooks. But he doesn't necessarily explain like, well, Bilba, the reason I chose you is because right. blah, 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 blah. That scene doesn't just- exist. And I love that. I think he just thinks that Bilbo is going to be the most, is going to be the hobbit that's most easy to persuade on going on this adventure. I think if he were to walk up onto any other house, the the hobbits would have slammed the door in his face immediately. Whereas Bilbo stands there and talks and they talk about the fireworks for a bit. And even though Bilbo's like, no, 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 no adventures in this part. You should go over, you know, to brie or whatever good day and then he like slams the door in his face he still is i think curious about everything that's happened and and what what gandalf is there to do sure yeah and he's constantly like undermining his own decisions right like he's constantly second guessing himself and then third guessing his second guess and yes there, it's clear that like there's a, a sensible part of bilbo and a belladonna took part of bilbo i absolutely love and you will see it in this you know next scene too this like constant balance that martin freeman does with his performance where it's bilbo trying to be like he's trying to be polite and respectable and be a good host but he's also extremely anxious and angry about everything that's going on but he's also he's still very curious and then eventually the scene where later on he wakes up and they're all gone, this mixture of like, he's pleased that they're gone. He's like, finally, that's over with. But there's still a bit of him that's like disappointed that they actually left without him. And it's so great to see all of that happening in in his performance. It's so good. And it's wild because that's basically the exact same character that he plays in Sherlock. Yes. <laughs> like... <laughs> I saw a TikTok of a girl doing an impression of Martin Freeman's acting and she was doing uh, like, and now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it in his performances and anything. He'll do this thing where like he keeps his elbows locked and he'll like swing his arms and he'll like clinch and unclench his fists and like wiggle his hands around. And he's very stiff movement. And uh, and that's just like his acting style. And it's just something that like once I saw it pointed out to me, I won't be able to unsee it. And now I'm sharing it with all of you. So congratulations. Now you can't unsee it. Either. Um, well, I, I definitely noticed that before. But I thank you for pointing it out. Oh, OK, then. <laughs> You're special. He like rocks on his in, on his heels and his, and the balls of his feet. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He locks his elbows. He does that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely this like movement of someone going back and forth and like overthinking and making like a decision that he doesn't necessarily want to make, but he's going to make anyway. So Gandalf leaves him. Are we at yeah. the part where we can talk about the musical numbers yet? No. So then there's this really wonderful moment where Bilbo's getting his dinner ready and he's squeezing a lemon over his plate and he's so pleased with himself. And then there's a ding dong at the front door and then he pauses and he looks up and he has this uh, grumpy face that he does throughout the series and I rewind it like three times because it's so funny the shift of I'm so happy that I'm alone I'm about to have this really delicious meal and then being interrupted during this meal and let alone like it's unexpected company like how dare he be interrupted it's during a meal and it's also he was not expecting for anyone to come no and it's such a delightful little moment it's just 
I I laughed a lot. <laughs> um, and so he goes in over to the door and welcomes in Dwalin or Dwalin, who is the bald one. And I'm gonna try and do my best. I've watched these movies now. I've watched all the movies. I could maybe name five of them in a lineup. <laughs> Still, I know I all their names. I know all their names. I don't know enough about like like who's Biffer Bofer. I know Bomber. Bomber is the fat one and he has a very bright orange beard. I don't want to talk about the dwarf names. <laughs> we're going to get there. You're going to have them. You're going to we're going to share our piece Ugh. and then we're never going to bring it up again. Um, I'm not. And Bilbo, I'm not going to let you two fight. What? I'm just going to dog dog it's my, my way podcast. out of there. Oh, OK. I, I, I get what you mean. <laughs> we're not going to fight. It's like it's going to be fine. Bilbo. Yeah. Welcomes him in and. He's like, do, well, do you have any food? He's like, I guess, and gives him his food. And there's this little shot where it like pans out and Bilbo's just sitting behind him, like super uncomfortable, super unsure of what's happening. Uh, and while this is happening, another dwarf comes. This is Balin. He's the kind of, he's the older dwarf. Yeah. With, who's kind uh, of like um, Doc. Is that one of the, the seven dwarves? Who's, oh yeah, God! Doc. I mean, I yeah. have no idea. What, I'm bringing in more dwarves. <laughs> what, what? I know there's a grumpy and there's a sneezy, maybe. That is true. So yes, okay. So we have the bald one and the old one. Remember that, listeners. It's gonna come in handy later. And they greet they greet each other by doing a headbutt. And I was wondering if this was something that Peter Jackson put into the script because this is what Viggo Mortensen would do to people behind the scenes. This is how he would greet the stunt people or the trainers or the other actors is he would give them like a friendly headbutt. And uh, it is confirmed this was a this was inspired by a tradition amongst the Lord of the Rings stuntmen and then in parentheses and Viggo Mortensen. (laughs) Um, but I just thought that was a funny detail that they kept it. It's no wonder he looks like absolute garbage now. Oh, because he, he almost, I don't know how to reiterate, he almost died like four or five different times during the filming of Lord of the Rings. A lot of people almost died. Did you hear about the landmines? Uh, maybe? The scene where, or the, 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 um, what's it called? The location where they shot for the battle outside of the gates of Mordor was a like military training field and they had to like send out people to search for uh, like practice (laughs) landmines to like dig them up so that they wouldn't accidentally go off during, you know, during filming, obviously. I don't think New Zealand is real. (laughs) Like, I think, I think going back, I, I had to do some research while we were talking about the landmine thing. I think part of the headbutt thing is Peter Jackson thinking about a great moment in European sports. Back in 2006, the World Cup, uh, there's a match where Zinedine Zidane so headbutts another Bilbo player. So then goes over to the two dwarves who are ransacking the stockroom. And there's this really funny moment where he's like, now I really must be firm and I must assert myself. And this is just not how things are done. And they're just not listening. And they're not listening. And he's like just trying his so hard to be assertive. And it just does not work at all. I said and be then- assertive, not insertive. Do you think so? As a SpongeBob quote. I know it is. Oh. It's Plankton <laughs> is teaching SpongeBob how to be mean. Uh, <laughs> he sticks his finger in his pocket. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think like when right? What I like about this is I feel like, and I don't remember how this happens in the book, but I feel like if you are Tolkien writing this book and you're an English teacher 
talking about it with your class, you're like, oh, this is Tolkien showing how, like, the dwarves, while they're small in stature, are still so much more imposing and so much more powerful than the hobbits, and they wouldn't consider what the hobbits said at all. But I like the way Peter Jackson interprets it as instead, like, when Gandalf tells the dwarves to make yourselves at home and don't let Bilbo stop you, they just do. They just, like, <laughs> go all in. And I don't think it has anything to do with, like, the power dynamic between hobbits and dwarves. I think it has everything no. to do with, like, them insisting on making themselves at home. No, I think it's sh- it's just the nature of dwarves yeah. to come in and they don't have a, like, polite bone in their body. Well, and. Right. In in the book, uh, the rune that rune that Gandalf puts on Bilbo's door means like, "What's up? I'm a burglar looking for work. Make yourself at home." <laughs> yes, yeah, like yes. It's full on like hobo code for like come yeah. in here and wreck my shire, please. <laughs> the, yeah, it means like there's a burglar living here who is looking for work. Right, and that's why they show up at this particular hobbit. It's home. not just a funky f. Yeah. <laughs> And then two more dwarves show up, and good news, guys, the hot dwarves are here. It's Keely and Feely, and in particular, Keely's the hottest. He would be a Keely's the hottest type, you know? <laughs> well, okay, then who do you think is the hottest? Peter Malark. Easy. Peter Malark. <laughs> <laughs> Team Jacob. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm more of a Henry Cavill man myself. I know you so are. So then, <laughs> yes, the hot dwarves are here. Have Henry no Cavill fear. is not in this movie. Oh my god, Henry Henry Cavill would have made a great Thorin. He's like nine I think feet would have been great. tall. Well, all the dwarves are really tall. Yeah, they had to be taller than Martin Freeman. That's one of the issues also with the CGI here is that in the original Lord of the Rings movies, with all of these scenes where there are um, characters who have different heights, they would do forced perspective. They very rarely relied on like green screen or anything. But in this movie, they didn't do that at all. And remember earlier when I was like, I'm going to tell you guys things that's going to just make you feel terrible about these movies. They had Ian McKellen shoot on a green screen by himself. And he had an earpiece in filming the scenes. And McKellen felt so lonely and frustrated by this entire filming process that at one point he wanted to drop out. And he was considering asking Sir John Hurt to replace him. And to cheer him up, the cast and crew would sneak into the uh, sneak into his tent, his tent during breaks, and decorate it with mementos from the Lord of the Rings films, as well as fresh fruit and flowers. So that part's nice, but the filming process for this was so like lonely and frustrating for Ian McKellen like distinguished experienced Ian McKellen who has done so many different things that he almost like dropped out entirely uh John Hurt would have nailed it though yeah it would have been fine it just wouldn't have been Ian McKellen people were gonna be like this Gandalf looks different (laughs) yeah because it's John Hurt (laughs) to be fair (laughs) I can't put my finger on it (laughs) Ian McKellen sounds every bit of that 10 years older than he was yes like, when yeah. he first starts talking to Bilbo, I'm like, God, that's an old man. He's old, yes. Yeah, don't remind us that he's old. And he's still kicking, too, 10 years it later. It scares me. You just cursed us. Yeah, and now we're 10 years after that, Ethan. Yeah, remember what happened blame to Rush Ethan. Limbaugh? Everyone, blame <laughs> Ethan. And that's why a lot of the scenes with the dwarves look so off is because they're using CGI. And what I don't... 
We'll get actually no. I'll say that for a different. Here's team. my thing with the CGI: Is Thorin played by a real person at any point, or did they Photoshop his face onto? It a... It looks like they smoothed out all of his wrinkles constantly to, ma- to make him look younger. Yeah. But Thorin, no, I'll say that for I'll say that for in a, in a second. God. Um. So the rest of the dwarves come spilling in, and Bilbo is just increasingly stressed and worried. At one, oh, when he goes to open the door, at one point he goes like. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> and it's the funniest little noise. And then Gandalf like ducks his head under and is like, hey, buddy, it's me again. We're going on an adventure. You can't yeah. stop it. And they all totally take over his house and they pull out the like dining room table into the living room because they can't all fit into the dining room and they totally empty the storeroom. And at one point, one of them like pulls out these blocks of cheese and he's like, do you want a cheese knife for that? And someone else is like, cheese knife? He eats, he eats it by the hole. With the rind still on. And, and then there's a... I, I could do without all of the burping and the like gross chugging of beer spilling over onto their beards Mary and then Clay. all the burping. Mary Clay, I think you asked us to watch 43 minutes of this movie. I don't think a single female character, I don't think a single female character has a, a line in the first 43 minutes. No. What's your point? <laughs> Is that the point? There can be burping. <laughs> To remind me of misogyny. I, I, I really think I'm aware. I think burping is the least of your worries. They could have been like locker room talking all over the dinner table and instead they're burping. I think burping, all things I still considered- think it's gross and I still think, I think it's like very dated humor. I don't think people laugh at farting and burping as much as we did in the 2000s. I think that's fair. I think burping is funnier than farting though. I uh, really away in, Ethan. Really, what I think is that Peter Jackson had somebody following him around the entire time they were making this movie, going, "This was a kids' book. This was a kids' book. This was a kids' book." True. Yeah. To the point where he was like, "Okay, fine, fine. Burp and Everyone fart burp. jokes, real quick. Everybody burp. Yeah. Everybody fart. It's great." That's a good point. Yeah, it's a kids' book. So then, Tyler, your favorite part happens after they finish eating dinner. Uh, one of them is like, what should I do with the plates? And Bilbo's getting all worried. And he's like, oh, please be careful with them. And they start tossing them around. And it's a musical. <laughs> we get a full on. Mu- it starts off with like um, Tarzan trash in the camp where they're like clinking the forks yeah, and everything stomp. around. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they go into the actual song from the book of like blunt the knives and toss the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. And it was like very unexpected because Lord of the Rings had no had the one song from uh, Pippin at the you know in Return of the King. And to be Which fair, wasn't even in the book. Wasn't even in the book. Yeah, and and to be fair, Howard Shore or if, if Howard Shore did the music for these, uh, did kind of just reuse the melody from that one song for Misty Mountains. Yes. Uh, and to be fair, I'm I'm also I know we're gonna get there in a minute, but I'm glad they didn't do the whole song either time because yeah. like. Oh, it goes on. Misty Mountain goes on forever in the book. It goes on forever. We don't need that. It's like three pages. We don't need that. Which is um, also the same with this song. Uh, it go. I think it goes on for just the right amount of time. It's fun. It's enjoyable. Right. It kind of, it establishes a lot of this characterization of the dwarves who are like 
they are going to mess with Bilbo, but they're not necessarily going to hurt him or really truly upset him because at the end he goes into the kitchen and all his plates and dishes are neatly stacked up and cleaned. We've got a different summer camp situation here where Bilbo is the seventh grader and all the dwarves are the eighth graders who were here last year, but Bilbo's the only seventh grader that came, right? Yes. So like now... This is the summer camp analogy I am on board with. Now the summer camp is specifically the people that were there and not the magic of the camp itself where they're like... We've got to bring this new guy in, but he definitely doesn't have the same experiences together that we do. Man, this summer camp analogy is going to be really fun if I cut the first one out. <laughs> um, and then the uh, there to ruin the fun is Thorin, our main dude. There's a huge dun, dun, like dun. ominous knock on the door, and Gandalf is like, he's here, he's here. which I don't get. Back off, you spooky bitch. And what? Thorin shows up. He's not... <laughs> He's not at all what I pictured. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to be older. I thought he was going to be, I mean, Thor, this Thorin is very stern, but like, I thought he was going to be more um, kind of, I don't know, like aged with wisdom and experience. Thorin is supposed, from the book, is supposed to be very grandiose and like thinks very highly of himself. Um, and he often like goes on tangents and rambles about stories just because like he kind of likes to hear himself talk. And we get a Thorin who's kind of hot. Yeah, they had to make Zaddy Thorin, though, because, like, the the yeah. wizened old man, you know, I'm the king of the mountain, Thorin, just wasn't going to play in these movies. Oh, I should also mention, you know how earlier I was like, okay, so Dwalin is the bald one. Okay, Dory is the one who is serving tea. He has gray, his beard is gray and it's it's braided. Then I completely gave up. <laughs> And Keely's hot. Keely and Feely are hot. Keely and, and Feely are hot. That's it. Um, Bomber's fat. It's the end. I know one of them. Okay, this is where we're going to get our minute. One of them <laughs> is Gimli's father, Gloin. And Ethan, you now have the floor. Tell me how you pronounce Gimli's father's name and why do you defend that way? It's it's Gloin. Is that not what I'm saying? No, you're Gloin. saying Gloin. Oh, so you're saying like Gloin, but with kind of like a Scottish accent, so it's yes. Gloin. Yes, it's 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 G L O I N. There's Gloin. a there's an accent on the O. Gloin and Gloin. It's not, but like, but it's it doesn't it, it yes it is the the same thing that we're saying. This is what I was trying to cram across earlier, but it doesn't rhyme with Groin. Like yes, it, it, does. it does. No, it doesn't. It's it's. You're just mad that it rhymes with the with the no, gross I, word. No, because it doesn't though. Like it's two sounds that are next to each other. It's, it's not, not one sound. This is my other thing: is you think "gloin" is two syllables? It's one syllable. Maybe two syllables is the wrong word. So it's just it, it like. Groin, so then, groin, 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 groin. You're just focusing too much on the fact that it rhymes, but it with, but it legitimately, groin. it doesn't. It just, it's not it just the fact that groin is a gross word and gloin is a gross word. It's it groin. just it's softer than that for me though. Like it, the way that I read it and the way I I I hear the names of the two dwarves that that rhyme. And the way I hear every character except Gandalf say it, including the 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 one that you think is oin. It is oin. It's not. Though it's it's more like it's, it's not Owen. No, it's more like Owen, but like run together. Owen is the name of a football player in high school, not the name of a dwarf. Yeah, I went to summer camp with a guy named Owen Brannigan. Eyes are very important. Every every vowel in these damn okay, languages. But the O's, gets... This is where this is where you lose me because the O's have the accent. Yes. So the emphasis is on the O. 
oin. Gloin. The fact that the o, the fact that the o is accented means it gets to be an o by itself. That's how no. language works. I did this no. for ten years. It means that it has emphasis. That is what the accent is. The emphasis is on the o. Oin. Oin. Gloin. 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 Thrain. You're just thrain. That is where you are so wrong. You. <laughs> Thorin, you son of Thrain. It's Thorin. It's, it's Thorin. not Thrain. Thrain. It's not it is, Thrain. Though. I refuse it to is. believe it's Thrain. It's I maintain what I said earlier. Rise eyes, with Train. Eyes are important. All the vowels are very important in Tolkien. If an American was to read the name of Boromir without being told how to say it first, they would say Bormer. But that, no, they wouldn't Boromir. say Bormer. Yes, they would. They would yes. say Bormir. No, they wouldn't. Yeah, they no, would. No, they wouldn't. Boromir. The only other word I can think of that that ends in ir is. Faramir. I think they would say Bormer <laughs> if it was er. I think if it was er at it the would, end, it, they would say Bormer. It would, it, the the middle o would become an uh, a schwa uh, an uh sound. Well, here's the th- here's the thing though about Boromir is that in the our Eng- uh, our American language, we naturally slur and shorten a lot of pronunciations and vowels Correct. and everything. So Boromir, Bo- Boromir. Boromir, 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 (laughs) kill me now, Boromir, because in a natural conversation, Sean Bean is the actor who played Boromir, it naturally ends up sounding like Boromir, because you know it's Boromir, if you say Boromir, because you know it's Boromir, but Sean Bean's not an American, but I'm not going to say Boromir, but but that's how they say it. Yeah, but they, that, they say Gandalf. They have different dialects Ga- here. Like my name has a whole bunch of different pronunciations here in America. Like I could be. It's Tyler, just Tyler. Or Tyler. Or <laughs> Tyler. There's Tyler. <laughs> so this is where like I tweeted the poll as a joke. How do you pronounce Gloin? Is it Gloin or Gloin? And that's the thing is you were like someone actually replied with the correct pr- a link with the correct pronunciation and I heard it the way I pronounce and I heard it the way I pronounce it. Your Twitter poll is useless. It's. Gloin. Okay, that's fine. If it really bothers you that much, you can think that. I'm not going to agree with you no matter what you but say. But you're wrong. But I'm not. They say gloin in every instance in the movie. No, At no point do Elrond they say gloin. doesn't. Aragorn doesn't. The ring cannot be destroyed, Gimli, son of gloin. This is Gimli, son of gloin. Oin. Gloin. No, at no instance do they go up on the eye. I'm not saying they go up in the eye. I'm saying it's a different sound than groin. They ro- It's the same sound. <sighs> and that concludes this week's uh, pronunciation guide. Pronunciation guide. That's what I'm talking about. How do you say those guide words? Pronunciation guide brought to you by Ethan and Mary Clay. So this is where I have a gripe with the CGI and everything that they do with the dwarves, where they are like, oh, well, the reason we CGI'd the dwarves and green screened them is because of the height differences and everything. Why go to all that trouble if you're going to have the Hobbit be basically the same height as the dwarves? He, in some scenes, and depending on like what dwarf he's standing next to, Bilbo's the exact same size and height as them. And at that point, why are you hiring a hobbit for a burglar? Because he doesn't smell like the dwarves. I know he doesn't smell, but like the whole point is like, oh, he can sneak around and he's smaller and he's quieter. He is small. He Even is when the he's the same height, he's still smaller. Height. He's still He's quieter. No, he, he's, I'm he's telling quieter. you, in some scenes, 
he looks the exact same size and stature as the dwarves. And it makes me mad because the Hobbit is supposed to be much. I don't think they got the proportions and sizing right for the dwarves in these movies. The whole group sits down and they ask Thorin, what's going on with the other dwarves? Is anyone else joining us? He's like, no, it's just us. We're going to be the ones going to reclaim our land. And Bilbo's kind of in the background listening. And every now and then he'll like chime in and be like, wait, what did you say? You're going on a quest. What's happening? They pull out a map and look at it and they're like, but how are we going to get in? This is blocked by Smaug and this other way and blah, blah, blah. And then Gandalf does a sleight of hand magic trick with the key. That looked, I, I think that looked great. <laughs> Which is very Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> it came out looking great. And he pulls out a key that, I don't want to say his name because then we're going to get into another fight. Thorin's father passed on to Gandalf. Thrain. Thrain. It's Thrain. Thrain. So he reveals the ski and gives it to Thorin uh, and is like, this will be useful on your quest because of these ancient runes and something about a door and some other riddles that I'm sure we'll solve later on. Then uh, they all start kind of arguing. And this is kind of the first moment where we see Thorin actually be a leader, which we don't really get and it was my criticism of him in the book he's not really a leader in the book for the dwarves this is a moment where he he's like all right enough now and he pulls everyone together and he stops the nonsense and everyone listens to him and there aren't moments like that in the book they add a whole lot more substance to him obviously you have to because it's it's three movies three movies yeah and they're like we're gonna need a burglar and it's a great moment where Bill was like, yeah, you're going to need someone who's like an expert. And everyone turns and looks at him <laughs> and he's like, what? No, not me. No, Could, no, who me? no. Couldn't be. <laughs> and the subtext here is that Gandalf has been like, hey, this Bilbo Baggins guy, he really knows what he's doing, right? He's going to get you in the places you can't get in. Because yeah. Gandalf knows that Bilbo will figure it out. But Bilbo doesn't know that Bilbo's going to figure it out or that he's going to find a magic ring. Yeah. But Gandalf does. What would Gandalf? What did Gandalf think was going to happen if Bilbo hadn't found that ring? Gandalf Is absolutely what, like, knew Bilbo was going to find the ring. You think? Yes, Bilbo. No. Bil- I mean, Gandalf, Gandalf didn't even Gandalf know the, the ring bo- was. No, in I'm there. sorry. Gandalf in the book told the dwarves what to look for in Bilbo's pantry. So he knows. He's got. He's a freaking precog. Clearly, That's Bilbo and hobbits being predictable. And you know who else is predictable? You know who else was a hobbit? Hey, you know who else was a hobbit? Smeagol. So you he's think not a hobbit, Gandalf knew that Bilbo was gonna be that they were gonna be taken into goblin tunnels, and Bilbo was gonna be separated from the group, and he was gonna stumble across this gremlin hobbit who happened to knock the this ring out of his pocket. And Bilbo was going to pick it up and win it in a game of riddles. I'm sorry, this is the He's same. Not that smart. I'm sorry, this is the same Gandalf that got to Rivendell and was like, "Oh well, I turned back over my shoulder and I saw a fire days and weeks away and knew that you were in trouble and I rode back here." Who's what I think? I think have you guys read Harry Potter? Yeah. Wait, wait, hang no, one second, Ethan. He no, he literally saw the smoke from the fire. And he turned around and figured they were in trouble. He didn't see again. it in some mystic vision. Read that passage again. He didn't see it. I'm I not did. Saying, and I'm I discussed not saying he saw it, it for an hour. I'm not saying he saw it for for in a mystic vision. I'm saying that he like looked impossibly far, which is BS because he already knew. Okay, Tyler, what were you I say? think here's what I think Gandalf knows about Bilbo. Obviously, the Hobbit is like the first example of this, but like 
through all of sort of fantasy literature and like fantasy games and and all of this hobbits and halflings are listed as like particularly lucky and i think what gandalf sees in bilbo is a greater than normal amount of luck even for a hobbit so i think he knows like not necessarily he's gonna find a ring but like so like domino and deadpool too like good things just kind of tend to happen to bilbo like he's going to end up safe and comfortable hobbits are safe and comfortable not because they chose a safe and comfortable place to be but because by nature hobbits are safe and comfortable if that no, makes sense I, I fully think that 50 to 75 percent of the reason that bilbo sent was sent on that quest was to find the ring to get the ring from smeagol so that gandalf didn't have to do it because bilbo gandalf, what he sees they didn't even what he sees in bilbo know. is a safe place to store the ring no but they didn't even know that smeagol had the ring at that point didn't they? They, they didn't thought it was know. lost. They thought didn't it was like still or lost in the river. Or did he find that out in the Necromancer's dungeon? Look, don't ask me what happened with the Necromancer because that's the part of the story. These movies, I do not, I do not follow. Did he? Did he, did he figure it out in the Necromancer's dungeon? No. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. I don't know. <laughs> the ring was never lost. Gandalf um, knew Smeagol had it. I really I don't thought think this he the did. entire I, time. I think everyone everyone still thought it was lost because they bring this up later. Okay. This is when Bilbo starts properly freaking out and he's like, I can't be no. I've never stolen he's very proud of this. I've never stolen anything in my life. And this is when other people are like, see, he can't, he's not suited for an adventure. You know, like stuff like this isn't for, you know, quiet gentlefolk. And he's like simultaneously pleased and complimented that they're like, see, I am a respectable person. They get it. But he's also a little bit like insulted. Like, wait, what do you mean I'm not suited for it? Who are you calling gentlefolk? <laughs> <laughs> then Gandalf just decides to use magic on everyone and does the Bilbo Baggins is an excellent hobbit, whatever yeah. that if he does. I say Bilbo is a thief. Then he's a thief. thief. (laughs) And so they give this contract to Bilbo. And it's a very whimsical contract. It's very similar to how they construct the Marauder's map in the movies, where like it has all these little compartments that fold out. Yeah. Yeah. And Bilbo is like reading it and he's like, lacerations, incinerations. Uh, then there's like, evisceration, I think, is one. And then one of the dwarves starts going on. Again, this is a dwarf I don't know. I don't know who it is. It's the one who has the flappy hat um, that sticks out. And he's like, yep, you'd be gone in a flash. Fire will burn your skin and you'll be burnt to a crisp and you won't know anything anymore. And Bilbo's just freaking out and like pacing the room. And it's such a great moment where he's like on the verge of panic. And then he just goes, Nope. And collapses yep. to the ground. <laughs> and then he's like, can I just sit here for a quiet minute? And Bilbo's like, you've been, I mean, Big Al Dolphin's like, you've been sitting here for too many quiet minutes, man. When did your, like time that, when like did your mom's see- plates become important to you, Bilbo? I do like that we see Bilbo have like a proper panic attack on screen. I thought that yes. was a nice representation. He do- He has a panic attack and then just like death drops to the to the floor. And yeah, and then he's sitting, he's like sitting all cozied up with a blanket and a cup of tea. And Gandalf tells him the story of like his ancestor Bull Roarer took, who invented the game of golf. (laughs) And I appreciate that it's this random, like tangential story that Tolkien puts in the book about this battle between a took and a goblin. And he decapitated the goblin and knocked his head and knocked it into a hole. And thus the game of golf was invented. And they decided to include that in the movie. I like that as well. 
Because, you know, I like this little mythology they drift in here. There's none of that whimsy in the trilogy. N- never, never oh, when the J.R.R. Tolkien that wrote the trilogy mean, yeah. have decided to compare anything to football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, I'm depressed now. Yeah, because it a really major world event happened between yeah. <laughs> The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And boy, can you tell that he is, what's the word? Jaded. No, not jaded. Like yeah. the... Cynical. Depressed, clinically no. depressed. Dep- just depressed is the word. He was like, you know what the Hobbit was missing? A really good allegory for Hitler. Yes, rather an allegory for Archduke Franz Ferdinand sits in the Hobbit. Here on That's What I'm Talking About, we do not mention the word allegory. Oh. We do not. Well, we so do. So then... <laughs> <laughs> Well, here it's, at because Bacon I've eggs. Gotten, it's because of a whole bunch of butthurt fanboys. I'll make a funny TikTok and they're like, actually, it wasn't an allegory. And even if I say something like, I know it wasn't an allegory. This is a simple joke. You see, <laughs> this is a TikTok. This is, it's not that serious. This is my message to the butthurt fanboys. Artistic intent does not match viewer yes. interpretation. I would love to actually see you try and convince them of that this is true for all things especially when the artist is dead in this case yeah death of the artist it's real he is dead and i'm grateful for it every day bilbo is like can you guarantee that i will return and they're like no gandalf's like no no and i can't even guarantee that you'll return the same and he's like that's what i thought and so he goes off to bed and thorin and balin are standing there having a conversation and they see bilbo go off and they're like i think we've lost our burglar and this is where we get another great moment of substance for thorin talking about like he's very dedicated to rebuilding and reclaiming this like home for his people and because of that dedication and loyalty to his people these 12 other dwarves are in turn like showing immense loyalty to him. Yeah, and they had the whole conversation of like, I would rather have this any one of these dwarves than a thousand men from the Iron Hills. Because when yeah. I call you, you came. Yeah. And then they sing a song. He's good. A yeah. big sad and then guess song. what? Over. It's our second musical number, guys. This is officially I, what I would consider a musical. It's a musical. A musical. Yeah. No. I think it's a musical. No. Because, like... <laughs> At the... no point does Vanessa shake, shake shake her ass for, like, half of the heights Well, the song, the songs don't because drive no the plot. You've been shaking your ass for, like, half of the heights. Yeah, I, <laughs> the get, song it. I doesn't, get it. The songs don't drive the plot in any way, right? They're, like... They're singing, like, dwarf songs, right? They're more character songs, yeah. The right, first they're... song drives the plot. Not really. No. It's a character-building moment of, like, this is who the dwarves are, and this is how they're going to interact in relation to Bilbo. Right, it's not like once Bilbo meets up with them, they sing a song about them going on an adventure, right? They're not, like... Bilbo never gets mentioned in the songs past, that's what Bilbo Baggins hates, right? They're, they're just dwarf songs. Dwarves just sing songs. They're just being silly. It's not a musical. It's a movie with music. There's a difference. I um, we'll have to like look this up later. But I'm wondering if this is if those vocals are like actually the vocals of the actors, um, and if that's something that when they were casting these actors, they're like, you got to be able to sing in a beautiful baritone voice, um, and if you can't, you're out. Or if they just you know had other people come in and record that. I think it's both. Because there are some some of them clearly can't sing, and there you can hear voices in there that clearly can't sing as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is a bunch of the actors doing it, but then it was bolstered by separate recordings. Peter Hollins. 
Yeah. Yeah. Came in and like made it better. Yeah. And and there are a bunch of versions of that song that exist that have been recorded. Yeah. There's one that's a popular TikTok sound right now. It's a real it's a real cool moment in in the movie where like I like genuinely like stopped and like listened yeah. to it and watched it rather than like writing down a billion notes or like pausing it or like picking up my phone to look at something. Far over the misty mountains cold to dungeons deep and caverns old. It's like really enjoyable. And it's also, it doesn't go, yeah, it doesn't go on forever. I think it's just like one verse. Yeah. And Bilbo wakes up. Well, actually first, trivia, whatever. Um, Originally... Robert Kaczynski, no clue who that is, was originally cast as Feely, who is the less hot of Keely and Feely. And then he dropped out at one point. They filmed some scenes with him. And the Misty Mountain scene when they're all singing is one of those scenes where they filmed it with this original other actor and they just kept it in the movie. And even though he, he's like in the background and, you know, there's 13 yeah. dwarves and you're not super familiar with how they look, it's not, you know, it's not going to matter. But I just think it's wild that they had an entirely different actor. They filmed those scenes and then they're like... No, I don't think we need to go back and do anything. Let's just keep it. I mean, to be fair, if you told me there was 39 different people to play dwarves in this movie, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Sure. Checks out. None of them matter at any point. They're going to matter later. To some extent. Most of them, them. even in the book. Some of them will matter. Even in the book, most of them are just filler. Most of them won't. (laughs) Yeah. Like Bofer? Poor Bofer gets mentioned like three times. I could not point, again, I could not point him out in a lineup. It's like, and it's so sad because because J.R.R. Tolkien had no idea that that D's Nuts was ever going to be a thing, right? And if he did, he definitely would have put more Bofer content in The Hobbit. Bofer D's Nuts? Because like Bofer D's Nuts is such an easy pull, but he was writing like, like easily 80 to 90 years before D's Nuts. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. I'm not letting you plug anything. Cool. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no. Then. Hey Mary Clay, do you like tapes and CDs? Don't. Don't. I'm not gonna. No. Good. <laughs> Bilbo. Yes, they sing this beautiful song. And this is where I could have done with maybe this is where they could have put some other exposition as opposed to doing the big exposition dump at the beginning. They could have split it up between like when they're all sitting at the table and Thorin is talking um, and, and Bilbo's like butting in like quest. What quest? Like beast? What beast? He could have like gone into some of the story. And then while they're singing this, it could have, you know, at least shown the visuals of like what happened maybe would have been cool to like have that underscored by this like song telling the story of what happened to them but no that's not what happened nope. big exposition dump yeah big exposition dump it's not a lord of the rings movie if there's not an exposition dump at the beginning then bilbo wakes up and he's like hello anyone home and again it's a great there's a lot of these moments with martin freeman's performance where it'll just be like you're watching Bilbo think yeah, and like react to the situation and he's not saying anything and he's not doing anything. He's just kind of like standing there looking around and he sees the contract lying there unsigned by him, which I think is another CGI shot for some reason. It looks animated. Yeah. They zoom in on the contract and I'm like, why, why was there the need for that? And then he jumps up and starts packing everything and leaves. I fully prefer this to how it happens in the book. See, 
I think it's hilarious with how it happens in the book because he wakes up and he's fully prepared. He's like, I'm definitely not going no way. And then Gandalf shows up and it like kicks down the door and is like, what are you doing? You're late. And he's like, what do you mean? Late for what? And he's like, they're leaving at 11. You were supposed to meet them. He's like, I am? What? And he like confuses him and gets him in such a state of panic that Bilbo's like just running out the door to go on this adventure before he's even processing what's happening. And I think that's I think that's hilarious. However, I think this is also a great moment that I don't necessarily care too much that it's Yeah, different. I enjoy the the little sense of agency they give Bilbo there about his journey. Yeah. Because I do think it fits better with the character in the long run. Bilbo is a much more active character in the movies than he is in the book. And you guys will see that yeah. later on in the rest of the movies. That's hard to believe, honestly, because Bilbo is like saving the day all the time. Yeah, and they make him they make him very they make him have a lot of very heroic moments in the movies that like watching it, I'm just cracking up like that didn't happen at all. <laughs> he still saves the day a lot. He's a good little hobbit. Yeah, yeah. He saves his day and then they're like why did you have to get involved? You almost got us killed. And then we had to save your butt. And he's like, I, I did everything for you. And they're like, why did we even bring you along? God. Then he finds the ring and they're like, oh, man, you're cool. You have this ring. Maybe you're useful for yeah. us on second thought. <laughs> I love the music that's playing as he's running away. It's the very it's I think the like one thing that everyone has seen from this movie is him running frantically like flapping his arms going I'm going on an adventure and uh the music that's underscoring that is really fun right because this is the first time anything's happened in Hobbiton in a long time yeah, since Bull Roarer took invented the game of golf. Yeah. yeah, so he runs he runs down and catches up with the dwarves who are leaving there and he's like I'm here and they're like welcome to the, you know, whatever company of Thorin. They're like let's get him a pony and he's like nope, I'm good and I love that like even just riding a pony for him is too like adventurous, like that's too much. Well, he's like a movie Bilbo here is allergic to the ponies. I don't remember if that's a thing, but I do remember him like Really not ever jiving with a pony, right? Like, that's like a theme throughout the whole book. I don't think so. No, am I, am I just like making that up in well, my brain? You might be. The thing about the books is like, with this book especially, the thing about this book is there's so much crap crammed into every single sentence that like theme is a strong word really ever, right? Like they are they are drawing from a lot here, but it's a lot that's crammed into... 276 pages right like every sentence is meticulously it's the complete opposite of lord of the rings where he was like i'm gonna write as many sentences as possible this the hobbit yes. he was like i'm gonna put a whole book into into this many sentences it's like i said in our group chat earlier today tolkien has no in between he either writes a lot of things that happen at once and glosses over details that you're like wait a minute can we can we go back to that can we like return to that for a second no or he Get will sandwich. <laughs> go on in extraordinary detail about like Feet. the history of a path. Uh, and you're like, I don't need this information to understand the plot of this book, but I guess I'm going to get it anyway. 
Bilbo is very upset and grumpy that he's on the horse. He looks very stiff and he's like holding the reins out um, like they're going to burn him or something. And then the other dwarves, some of the dwarves start like tossing bags of money around. And he's like, what was that about? And Gandalf is like, oh, some of the people were wagering and betting on you and whether or not you would come. And he's like, what did you think, Gandalf? And then they toss a bag of gold at Gandalf. <laughs> and he's like, I thought you would come. Because <laughs> he knows. I never doubted you for a second. Because Gandalf knows. <laughs> I think Gandalf the White knows a lot of things. I don't think Gandalf the Grey knows quite as much as you are giving him credit for. Nah. Just long pause, no comment. Hobbit Gandalf is a precog. I don't know what Gandalf knows. Hobbit, Hobbit Gandalf is a precog, for sure. I'm not saying that's necessarily consistent with how he's written in the trilogy, but uh, Hobbit Gandalf is more powerful than Gandalf the White, for sure. No, disagreed. Way OP in the, in, in the big trilogy. I think he's more... Pa- I, I see what you mean, kind of in the sense that like he's way more chaotic good in The Hobbit. Tolkien... Like to his oh, excuse me, excuse me. If you can't say allegory, then also we we do not use the alignment, alignment charts. charts. This isn't your podcast. <laughs> T- Tolkien hardcore nerfs Gandalf between the end of The Hobbit and the beginning of Fellowship for sure. Sixty years passed. Yeah, but he was like, he was like, man, I made this super powerful wizard guy that can do literally anything. I have to really mess him up right now. No, I think he. I don't think he went into enough detail about what Gandalf can do in The Hobbit that it was fine that he doesn't really do anything in Lord of the Rings. He fights a Balrog. And dies. Yeah, badly. <laughs> Hobbit Gandalf would have just been like, look, when I say you shall not pass, I f***ing mean it, guy. And the Balrog would have just the, would have just been smote right there. I mean, he literally, is he, what murders, happens. he murders a whole company of goblins with no, some lightning. Both, it's they just both like, die. done. Goblins dead and the goblin is like yo what was that guys i think that's just more a testament to tolkien was like i'm never going to explain exactly what gandalf can right. do that's why i'm saying that hobbit gandalf is more powerful because he has not put limits on the power yet the limits are established and he, later and you th- on anything he does in well i think he puts limits i think he does have limits because there are several points in the hobbit where it mentions like well you see even a wizard can't do this or even a wizard can't you know still gets hurt or injured or whatever so he does put limits on him and he makes several notes that like even a wizard isn't going to be able to solve everything and then Gandalf solves everything (laughs) he does kind of solve everything Bilbo at one point sneezes and then freaks out because he doesn't have his handkerchief and he calls everyone to stop and one of the dwarves Again, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Is it Biffer, Bofer, Bomber? I don't know. It's not Bomber. It's Bomber. Not Bomber. Actually, it's definitely Biffer. Is it Oin? Is it Gloin? Is it it's, Nori, yes. Dory, Ori? I don't know. I don't think Ori exists in the book, does he? Yes, does he, he? Yeah, he's, yeah. Ori never gets mentioned ever. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I've spent the last four months with these dwarves and I know so little about them. I mean, I read this thing today, <laughs> today. <laughs> and I don't remember there being an Ori. <laughs> and you also don't know. I like only just recently nailed down being able to say all of their names. Well, you still can't. Thorin. No, I was, I was <laughs> joking it, that you still Thorin. can't pronounce two of them correctly. Oh, we're not doing this again. I know it was, a, it was a joke. We're moving on. It was, a, it was a light. And what's his moment. face rips off a piece of his clothing and is like, use this. And Gandalf is like, you're in a rude awakening because th- you're going to be much more uncomfortable than, you know, not having your hanky with you. But what about second then, breakfast? 
and he says, home is behind, the world ahead. And then Billy Boyd comes in, and there are many paths to tread. And then um, Faramir storms on Osgiliath, and then we get a crunch of tomatoes, <laughs> and then... Mr. Yes, beautiful. Thank you for the... Cloud and shade. A great song. <laughs> Which, that song actually is... It is a song that the hobbits sing in Lord of the Rings. It doesn't come in the book at the point that uh, Pippin sings it in Return of the King. And when they sing it, they're like, oh, this is a song that Bilbo would sing on his adventures. So I think it's cute that they chose like this, these two little lyrics to put in for Bil- for uh, Gandalf, like setting the scene for what Bilbo is about to experience and prepare him for. Yeah. And that is the end of this segment. And we went two hours, which is what I expected. And I didn't tell you guys before I told you we were going to record. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, when we were at 23 minutes and I was like, no, I want to talk about this now. I thought we were halfway done. Nope. No, my movie episodes are like an hour and a half. <laughs> you see, I did, th- I did this for the first hour of uh, Fellowship and you weren't there for that. Oh, you're right. And this is this is also cut down from what I originally marked out. We were, uh, this segment was also supposed to go on for like another um, 10 minutes of the movie all through. Um, if you guys love the exposition at the beginning of the movie, I can't wait to sh- tell you what happens in the next 10 minutes. Well, good luck <laughs> or good looks that you're going to come on in our show, Bacon and Eggs, and talk about these for one hour and 30 minutes. Which is an hour less, an hour 20 minutes less than this movie is. That's fine. Yeah, so theoretically, listeners, as you're listening to this, I will be on Bacon and Eggs this coming Thursday. Yeah, in two days. Um, I've told Tyler and Ethan multiple times, I'm like, I'm not going to make you cover the Hobbit movies on your podcast. I don't want to hijack your podcast with movies that aren't that great for three weeks in a well, row. We have no reason not to do them, so we're absolutely going to do them. Good news. This week on Bacon and Eggs the actual this week of this recording is we're talking about the new space jam movie which from what i understand is garbage i heard it's not good so, well, the original wasn't good so the original was fantastic no it was classic bill murray's in it um well yeah so this has been bacon and eggs so listeners you can uh you <laughs> can <laughs> you can hear all of our thoughts on the full all three hobbit movies for three oh. weeks in a row on bacon and eggs Woo! remember how i kind of went insane when we did that for lord of the rings yes. i don't know if you guys went insane but i was going insane at that watching point. a three-hour movie once a week and then talking about it for an hour and a half is a mind-numbing process for sure yes. It's much easier with Toy Story. It's much easier with Toy Story that's 87 minutes long. Yeah. Tyler and Ethan, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you on the internet? Even though we kind of just you said. You can find me say it again. anywhere your pods are cast at Bacon and Eggs and Late to the Party. Uh, it's Bacon and Eggs Pod on Instagram and Twitter and LTTPDND on Instagram and Twitter. If you think that it's pronounced uh, Gloin and you want to get on my ass about it, my Twitter handle is at TyCarlin11. <laughs> I do just want to say, uh, sincerely, I know that, that I know that when you say "don't at me," that people are going to at me. But like, I genuinely don't care what anybody else thinks about this at all. I'm not going to respond to you telling wrong. me how it's pronounced. 
it's not going to happen. This is the real life about Tyler on Twitter at Ty Carlin 11. My whole brand is that I will almost definitely reply to your tweet. So just tweet I will at reply me. to your tweets talking to me about this episode. I will not reply to anybody's tweet telling me how to pronounce those words. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I don't care whether or not I'm right. That's how I read it. I swear to God, if you ask me what Hogwarts house glowing is in, I will not reply to your tweets. <laughs> we do not have enough information about glowing at any point in the book to decide what house he is probably gryffindor it's certainly not i would argue most of the i would argue most of the dwarves are gryffindor i would argue they're entirely hufflepuffs this is like uh, literally the only group of characters that are defined by their loyalty probably a slytherin but i think uh movie thorin is a slytherin i don't really know enough about book thorin Thorin doesn't have enough to be like maybe to be a slytherin um, I don't want to have this discussion even a little but bit. But I think everyone, I, I think I'm the like, rest of the dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Ilvermorny house? Shut up. Tweet Shut at up. wow now, Shut but the O's are, are zeros. Team, are you team, <laughs> you team Thorin or team Jacob? I'm telling you right um, now, Thorin is I'm dog. I'm team <laughs> Gale didn't do anything wrong. It's war. He did what was called for. I'm sorry that, that Katniss's sister was there. Okay. He came up with the successful war Team Peta or Team Keeley? <laughs> it's hands down. Keeley. He's hot. It's Gerald of Rivia from The Witcher. Oh, my God. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Curly Critics. Hi, I'm Curly, and she's Critic, and we're the- No, wait. Our introduction goes like this. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and we review pop culture every week. Check us out as we review New Girl, the Narnia movies, and coming very soon, Harry Potter. New episodes out every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts or on WBNE.org. And don't forget, beavers aren't real. The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod or following the link in the episode description. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at pod, and you can find me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and Instagram at mcturndownforwhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash pod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. For example, if you join the 11Zs tier, you will get access to all of the audio that doesn't make it to the final cut of the episodes because movie episodes we usually record for an hour and a half to two hours sometimes longer and i can't put out episodes that long that's just you don't want to listen to me for that much um and so i cut out a bunch of stuff and i save it and i upload that for patrons to listen to or you can become a sponsor like katie katie thank you so much for being a sponsor of the podcast i appreciate all of your support especially uh, as long as you have been giving your support i love that so much and you're an amazing person. As I mentioned last week, please take the listener survey that is linked in the episode description. And I should add, even if you took the survey last year, please take it again. I have a couple different questions and sometimes your responses to the questions might have changed since last year. And I really, I'm reading every single person's responses. So please take the listener survey. And finally, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review, especially please write a review Let people know why you are listening to this podcast. There are lots of, I fully recognize that there are tons of Lord of the Rings and Tolkien-related podcasts out there. So let people know why why you should listen to this one. Why should they listen to my podcast?
Next week, we will pick up where we left off at 43 minutes and 39 seconds and go to one hour and 23 minutes and 57 seconds. Starts off with the dwarves snoring and keeping Bilbo awake, and then it goes to the gang arriving in Rivendell. Bye. Um, No, I have to ask you if you have any parting words. Ah. I thought that, but that was my parting words, that I don't care how you pronounce gloin. Tyler, do you have any parting words for the audience? My parting words for you are, there's a lot of really fantastic lines of text in in the, the, the movies and the Hobbit book. Um, and I would encourage you to, I don't know, like paint one on a canvas and put it on your wall and just kind of like cheer up every time you see it. Think about a Hobbit hole. That's all I got. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. I thought you were going somewhere with <laughs> there's a lot of fantastic lines in the Hobbit and the trilogy, but did you know that when Viggo Mortensen kicked <laughs> the helmet in two towers, he broke two of his toes and they kept the tape.